0: You're listening to the Spark Radio Network, internet radio like you've never heard before. Innovation, creativity, and imagination are all said to begin with a spark. So fasten your seatbelt and take the ride of your life and listen for the spark.
1: You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. St. Jude, a family never sees a bill at all. It's like the world has been lifted off of your
2: shoulders. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org.
3: It takes another set of eyes to help us nurture our writing into full maturity. At Black Wolf Editorial Services, we strive to enable writers to develop and grow, offering manuscript critiques and line edits through a mentoring editorial style. We also offer assistance on generating a writer's bio for your websites. Black Wolf Editorial Services, nurturing your writing into maturity. For a full list of services, visit blackwolfeditorial.com. The world around us is an amazing place filled with beauty and with science. But let's face it, sometimes the science can be so confusing that it takes a Ph.D. to understand it. Well, you're in luck. I just happen to have a Ph.D. Come and take a seat. Perhaps I can explain the world around us in a way we all can understand. Welcome to Conversations in Science. I'm Dr. Judy Elmore. Call me Doc guys, it's me, it's Doc, and welcome, welcome, welcome to another show of Conversations in Science. For those of you who are new to the show, I have my producer on handy, yes, hi Jess, where are you? What's
4: up, Doc? I gotta ask a question before we get started, though. Yes? Why is the bottle of sunscreen on your desk wearing a winter beanie, or a winter hat?
3: <laughs> well, I thought I would just have fun with this month's topic. <laughs> Anyway, for those of you who don't are you new to the show, Jess helps me explain certain things in a way we all can understand. Basically, she's there to make sure I don't go to babble because I can go to techno babble today. But today, sunscreen, beanie, sun, cold. I've noticed that a lot of people in my home country, which at the moment we're um, in New Zealand, it's summer, a lot of people are going through and suffering from things like heat stroke and heat exhaustion because they just don't know how to cope with the temperatures. But yet, they don't know how to deal with it as well, in terms of how do you treat it. But it's going the other way too, because where you are, Jess, you've got... it. There are so many reports of snow, and I've seen people diving into snow and and trying to dig out their cars and, and all these other interesting things. So... I thought today we would talk about weather-related owies. What do you think about that?
4: Weather-related owies. Now that explains the bottle of sunscreen and the beanie. Got it. Okay.
3: (laughs) Okay. So where do we want to start? Do we want to start with winter or do we want to start with summer? Uh,
4: You're cold, Doc. It's warm where you are and cold where I am.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, possibly maybe we should start with How is it that I, who is self-professed, not a medical doctor, why do I feel confident that I can talk about all this? Well, I have got uh, first aid training like most of the other people that I've met. And within the scouting environment, because I'm an ex-scout leader, we have to do what we call outdoor first aid. So we're not doing your normal workplace type things, working with electricity and doing the electroshocks and some of the things that you might have to do in a workplace thing. We tend to look at when you're doing an outdoor first aid course, you tend to look at the conditions and symptoms that you might encounter if you are in an outdoor setting, such as what can happen if you have too much sun exposure, or for that matter, if you get too much cold and, and you've got kids that are going down cold. Basically, what makes outdoor first aid completely different to your standard first aid courses Is that your standard first aid courses are designed for working in a city where you can get on the phone, call for medical help, call for that ambulance, and know that you should have some medical assistance within an hour, you know, depending on how big your city is, okay? An hour? If you're out in the middle of nowhere, okay, you're saying hour,
4: what? Around here, I think it's more like ten to fifteen minutes.
3: Yeah, that's the part. and in a city and a very high classified, you know, high profile city. Yeah, you know, you can talk about getting it down to fifteen minutes and bits and pieces. But when you start talking about bigger city or smaller cities, or you know, you're talking more your townships and things like that, then you could easily be an hour. If I just think about Christchurch and the way Christchurch is actually laid out, all of our ambulance resources are in the center of Christchurch itself. If you've got somebody who's out in Oxford who needs medical assistance and needs an ambulance, are 45 45 minute drive away from the center of the city so that ambulance is going to take 45 minutes to get to them and then possibly whatever treatment that they have and then the time back but you get that trained medical assistance within an hour even within Christchurch and and if you're talking about things like Auckland where one side going from one side of the city to the other side of the city can take you two hours it's it's actually quite a big city what if you're in a traffic jam you know if, if you if you just happen to need medical assistance at that horrible peak of the time hour, you know, and what if it was a car accident, that sort of thing. It's still, it, it's the, it's called the golden hour within medicine. You've got to get it within that first hour. But when you're out in the middle of the bush and you've got no communication, you're talking about, you're, you're just in the middle of the forest. So you're, you're not going to get hiking, medical assistance hunting. within an hour. It's not going to happen.
4: So we're talking things like camping, tramping, hiking, hunting, fishing. Yeah,
3: you're talking about, you're getting out there. You're getting away from the city. You are out in the middle of nowhere. And it could be, it could still be a car accident, but it might be, say, a car accident that's in the Alp- in the Alpine Pass or just on the road, on the country road into the middle of nowhere. You know, you are just literally out there. And that's what makes outdoor first aid different to workplace first aid because we are taught to think about scenarios and we're taught to think about the treatments that we have to give because Medical assistance could be in the order of four hours away. And then you have the next tier up, which thinks that it could be, you know, 24 hours away. And and so there are different things. I, I've only got up to that four hour limit. I I didn't go any further with my training. But one of the things that we look at, because it's quite common within scouts, is the situation where we get too cold and the situation where they're just like being... Wonderful children is what they are. Yes, they're gorgeous, brilliant children who just refuse to listen to those of us who happen to have a little bit of experience in these things and refuse to put on the hat, the sunscreen, cover up or whatever, and they or for that matter, they refuse to drink the water that you keep throwing at them and say, drink now. You know, they they just refuse to listen and they suffer from heat exhaustion or heat stroke as a consequence. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Is so we're going to talk about what these things are and some of the tre- remedies on the, some of the first day treatment on how to do it. And then I thought we might go on and talk about you know sunburns because there is actually some interesting homeopathic remedies. And if there's anybody out there who has used some of these homeopathic remedies and is willing to actually just contact the station about your experience of things I would love to actually find out more some of them I'm not so sure I'd want to try but hey you know I'm 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 open to new ideas I'm interested to find out new things so let's get started
4: whoa 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 Hi right. what if they want to contact you about the homeopathic remedies how do they do it
3: Oh, sorry. You contact us at the station at science at klrnradio.com. Sorry, my mistake. (laughs) You can slap my hand now, Jess. And I so hope somebody out there does. That'd be nice. All right, let's get started. So why don't we start with the heat side of things? Because that's what I've had to recently deal with. Okay. I don't cope well with heat. I really don't. And it's quite funny because parts of the states are going through massive sto- snowstorms, and, and even parts that don't get snow are getting snow. And But here in New Zealand, we're getting a heat wave. We're going the other way around. And so I think the world's just gone a bit pinky and a whole bunch of variety of different things. Well, New we even Zealand, had
4: snow. No, it was London even had snow the other day.
3: Yeah. There are places that don't normally get snow in the Northern Hemisphere, and this is just a bit, whoa, but we're getting the heat wave. So... Yeah. So that's why we're doing, we're doing this. All right. So if in New Zealand, we're, we're getting temperatures that are in the order of about 30 degrees Celsius, which that's around about um, the 80s in the Fahrenheit. That's not, and, and that doesn't sound outrageously hot. That, that's pretty mild for what most people are thinking. But here's the thing. Our average temperature, our average temperature is around about the 20 degrees C. So that is, you know, you're looking at 60 degrees Fahrenheit. And if you have a a population that is accustomed to 20 or that 60 degrees and suddenly getting, you know, getting up to the 80s and 90s or 30 degrees is what we're actually getting in in Celsius, the human body can't cope. You do climatize. You, You become used to something and you just... And we're just not coping where in Australia, they get on a regular basis, getting up to 40 degrees um, Celsius on a regular basis, which is, and they can actually get up to about, you know, 45s. And then parts of Australia, they're getting up to 50s. And so you're talking over a hundred degrees Fahrenheit.
4: That sounds like South every Texas in the summer.
3: Without fail. That's what south- was that?
4: That's South Texas in the summer or parts of Oklahoma.
3: Yeah, yeah. Every summer without fail. Parts of Australia get really, really hot. And there are parts of Australia that have been historically up to, you know, getting up to forty fives and fifties and Celsius. So they that's it's every day. Well
4: that would also but, be
3: Death Valley, California. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But their temperature on the other extreme doesn't go below. They don't get as cold as what we get here in New Zealand. So they can't cope with the other extreme. So it is a climatized thing. But what's been happening, because our bodies are not used to it, our bodies don't know how much water they need to retain. And so we're constantly sweating. And then it gets to a point where we can't sweat anymore. We're just not sweating anymore. And that's actually the first sign that something is wrong. Something is not going down. If you are not sweating, if you are not peeing, if you are guzzling back, and I mean, I'm serious here, if you are guzzling back in the order of about, I don't know, four liters a day, and I'm talking, so four liters would be what, a gallon? I think I got my conversion right there. Yeah, it would be about that, Doc. All right, if you're guzzling that right back, and you're not going to pee, there's something wrong. There is something seriously wrong, because you should be peeing. Sorry, I know this is a family show, but I'm taking it down toilet humor road for a a moment. Yeah, you need to go pee. And if you're not going pee, there is something wrong. And you need to be drinking a lot more water than what you're doing. You need to be covering up, which is a bit contradictory because, let's face it, we want to strip off when you're that hot. You want to not cover up. You want to get everything off. But what you do cover up with is you cover up with things that are damp. Uh, one of the tricks that I use, and I use it all the time for myself, is my my hat that I use for summer is a water hat. It can get soaking wet. So what I'll do is I'll pour water into that, put it on my head, gets my hair wet, and it keeps my hair, my head cool. Your head and your feet are where most of the heat go. So if you if you're wanting to cool down quickly, you there's three there's three ports in your body that you can use to help you cool down very quickly. That's your top of your head, get it wet. It's your feet, get them cold, get them cooling down and it's your neck your carotid artery going down the side of your neck that is where most of your blood is going to go through and if you get that cooled down it's going to cool the rest of your body down quite quickly i was the other way say something
4: doc i have one of those gel wraps it's got little crystals in it i soak it in water for like half an hour and it puffs up with this gel and i put it around my neck in really bad heat
3: Yeah. Yeah. I use the same. And when I was in Australia a few years back, I think I lived with one of those around my neck because I was just not coping in those temperatures. (laughs) I really wasn't. All right. So with hypothermia, uh, sorry, not with hypothermia, with heat exhaustion, basically you're going to start feeling faint, possibly, maybe not. You're definitely going to be going, I'm dying of heat here definitely dying you could start feeling sick like you're feeling a bit nauseous like you want to throw up um and if you are getting to the point where you're throwing up that is definitely a sign that something is serious seriously wrong and you are you need to cool your body down basically what's happening is that your body is getting confused as to what temperature it needs to be and your internal body temperature is starting to heat up and you can start running a fever. You can actually get to those, you know, you're looking at, say, the 100 degrees Fahrenheit fever, which for in New Zealand, that's around about, you know, the 40, 40 degrees Celsius. That, you, you if you're running those temperatures, you've got to cool your body down because it's going to start cooking your organs. I don't think you want cooked organs. I really don't. Nah, you <laughs> um, can
4: hold the cooked liver, thanks.
3: <laughs> yeah, cold the cook heart thanks let's just not go there you you can start cramping and one of the symptoms with your cramping how what's happening there is your body no longer has the salt it needs I know that there are parts of California that actually go through and insist that you have iodized salt on a regular basis in the middle of summer uh, I remember that growing up because I I was I was born in California and, and that's where most of my initial knowledge comes from so what you do is have that packet of chips you know you you want some potato chips have them they're covered in salt have them don't restrain yourself when it's that hot just do it and the salt's going to make you want to have more water brilliant fantastic start guzzling more water yeah and of course hopefully that will eventually make you go pee let's let's yeah let's go there Help me out, Jess.
4: (laughs) Well, it sounds about right, except I tend to go with pretzels instead of chips. But yeah, you're on the right track, Doc. (laughs) But now, question here. What if I want to drink a soda instead of a bottle of water?
3: Okay. Now, it's very tempting to actually have things like Coke and Sprite and all that sort of stuff. The problem is, is that... Go for it. The problem is with things like Coke and Sprite, is that the carbon dioxide actually makes them an acidic drink. It is not going to make you hydrated. Acid is actually going to make you dehydrated. It's going to take away from whatever you need for your body to survive at a pinch if there is absolutely nothing else that's around yeah the work is a is a stop go measure but long term they are more harmful to you than anything else that you could possibly be drinking we're not going to go down the road of talking about the amount of sugar or anything like that in them because the sugar actually is not what makes them outrageously harmful to you from the point of view of dealing with things like heat exhaustion or heat stroke We're talking about the actual carbonation process. That is what makes them harmful.
4: That's actually something I know a little bit about, Doc.
3: Yeah, go for it.
4: Well, I just, I know how to make my own sodas. So I can actually control when I'm dealing with a homemade soda. I can actually control how much CO2 gets into my soda. Some of them I just put a light touch on. Like I, I make this fun soda in the winter, in the summertime. It's a watermelon soda. Yes, I literally take a bunch of watermelons, whack off one end. I get the seedless kind and just slaughter them with my mixer and pour it into the soda that I'm making and put just a little bit of CO2 in it. Not a ton like your Coke, but just enough to give it a
3: few bubbles. Oh, now that sounds yummy.
4: (laughs) But yeah, I, I believe it or not. You, have you ever had a glass of uh, seltzer water?
3: Uh, no, not that
4: I recall. All that is is water with CO two, and it'll actually have almost a bitter taste to it, as opposed to a neutral taste. You can almost taste the change. In fact, you can taste the change. Yeah,
3: yeah, you can. Um, if it's if if seltzer water is anything like tonic water, then yeah, you it's can. Similar, it's similar, except tonic bitter. water also has quinine in it. So Okay, so you actually know a lot about this sort of thing. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's a hobby, Doc. It's a hobby. All right, so there's the other thing, the other aspect of Coca-Cola in particular that you want to avoid is actually caffeine. Caffeine is a dehydrating drink as well. And it's the same with alcohol. Alcohol is a dehydrating thing. It's how, I mean, just think about it. How often do you see, you know, you've got a local barbecue and that you've got everybody out there in the sun, nice summery weather, and they're out there with their cans of beer. It's a common scene, but yet alcohol dehydrates the body. Again, it's, it's mutsing around with all your, um, Either that the pH or the ra- levels within your body. Either that or they're out fishing
4: with that cold can of beer.
3: Yeah, and again, it's a very common scene. So, no. Guys, sorry. Hey, those who are beer drinkers or wine drinkers, can I recommend that you have at least one glass of water in between each beer or wine at least just to rehydrate your body? It might help with the hangover, but That I didn't go there. I didn't say that, did I? No, I didn't say that. Not at all. Hey, Doc, that's actually what I do. (laughs) Anyway. So, heat exhaustion. The thing is, is with heat exhaustion, the basic, simple ways of treating it is put people in the shade get them out of the direct sun get some you know get a cloth of wet water you know that's been damp a damp cloth and start putting it down the skin start cooling the skin forcing the body to get rid of the excess heat. I mean, that's what sweat does. That's what it's supposed to do. We are supposed to sweat and get this nice little lovely sheen on our body, which evaporates. And that evaporation process actually cools our skin so our skin can actually get rid of the excess heat and our body can get rid of the excess heat. So we are normal and we're not going to cook our organs. That is what it's supposed to do. So, you know, get the skin wet, Go get some, you know, water into people. If it's from a a salt depletion thing and people are starting to feel a bit, you know, a little bit cramping or whatever, give them some chips or pretzels as you've gone through and suggest. Crackers, saltines are really good for that. Whatever, you know, get some salt into people and then just carry on. If conditions are getting worse and not getting better, It's called dial emergency, call assistance, because if you cannot get that body core temperature down, they are literally, they're in trouble. They are in serious trouble and you need to get them medical help. If they are vomiting regularly and they are not stopping vomiting, (laughs) it's time to call for medical help. It's, yeah, there's a whole bunch of things. If they've lost consciousness and they're not waking up, call for medical help, just don't do what you can to keep them cool to keep them okay keep them breathing but yeah if it gets to the point where it's just gone really bad you've got no no choice call medical help don't try to deal with it yourself
4: all right does that make sense yeah it does so you want to get people in the shade and well i think i have something that actually tells it all for us
3: yes play it
4: Seek and slide, have fun outside, but don't get fried. Slip on a shirt, slop on sunscreen, slap on a hat, six
2: shade, slide on sunnies, simple as that. Slip, slop, slap, seek and slide, have fun outside, but don't get fried. Slip, slop, slap, seek and
4: slide. That about sum it up, Doc? Definitely. (laughs)
3: All right, quick rundown of what all that meant was that slip on a shirt. Slap on some sunscreen. Slip, slap, slap. Rap. Slip on a shirt. <laughs> Wrap on slap some on sunnies. some sunscreen. Slip some glasses. Slap on a hat. Yeah. Wrap on to- and slip into the shade. Stay in the shade. Yeah. All right. Shall we carry on with sunburns since we're talking about summer? Why not, Doc? Sounds like the next place to go. Does, does sound like the place to go. So you've got heat exhaustion and heat stroke, which is if you're not, if, if you're dealing with, you're just too much. And most people, I think, will have actually experienced heat exhaustion at some point. But most of the time, it is literally just get into the shade and they're all good and and everything comes right. So they probably don't recognize it for being as heat exhaustion. Heat exhaustion, if you don't look after it and you don't deal with it, it can turn into heat stroke. But one of the things that can happen regardless is sunburns. (laughs) How many of us get sunburned? Oh my gosh, I've been sunburned a few fair amount of times. The thing that's interesting with sunburn and that people don't realize is that even on a cloudy day where you don't actually have direct sun, you can still get sunburn. The reason why is because what's causing the sunburn is the UV radiation from the sun. Clouds do not block UV radiation. I'm sorry, guys. It doesn't. And sometimes you can actually get sunburn worse if it's a cloudy day than if it's a sunny day, because on a sunny day, you feel the burn. You can actually feel it coming on. In New Zealand, we have what we call the sunburn index. And it's quite frequently put out with our weather reports and everything like that during summer. And basically that sunburn index, what it says is how many minutes can you be out in the sun before you get sunburned? And you they're only talking a small amount of sunburn. And sometimes the UV index is so high that you can only be out in the sun for five minutes before you get sunburned. And that's it. Yes?
4: I was going to say the Weather Channel does something like that around here during the summer, too.
3: Yeah, it's quite common in the summer. So pay attention to that. And basically what that means, what those sunburn indexes are, is... How much can you get away with without putting sunscreen on? Because you do have to occasionally get out into the sun and occasionally get some sun sunlight coming through and occasionally get some natural UV because it does help your body. It helps your body with the production of vitamin D, which is needed for your calcium calcium bone strength. But you don't want to be turning into a red beetroot. Well, maybe you do. I don't know. I don't. I don't like being red beetroots because it hurts. All right, so obviously the easiest way to avoid getting sunburn is to cover up, put sunscreen on, sit in the shade. Those are the easiest things that you can do. But if you get sunburn, there are some easy things to do to treat it. Um, Aloe vera works really, really, really well on any burns, actually, Um, not just sunburns. We have uh, in our garden, we actually have an aloe vera plant And I introduced my son, I think I introduced him to it about a few months ago. And I, you know, he got burnt doing something and I can't remember what he was doing. And I just said to him, go snip off a small little tiny bit of the aloe vera plant, squeeze the aloe vera juice and and put it on your skin. And he's just like instant relief. It was, he he was just, this is amazing stuff, mom. I'm so keeping this around. Like, yeah, exactly. That's why I've got him as well. So aloe vera is a really good thing. Um, But I recently took a look and there was some interesting, very, very interesting homeopathic remedies out there. Some of them I knew about, some of them I didn't. And I would be interested to hear from anybody who's actually tried some of these and to hear some of your experiences. Apparently, apple cider vinegar works on sunburns. I know somebody who swears up and down by this. And I was like, if anybody's actually really tried apple cider vinegar, I would really honestly love to hear your experiences. And it'd be interesting to hear. Um, Apparently, milk works as well to wash your skin with milk. Now, I can imagine that one would work because I know, um, you know, washing your skin and say coconut milk. Um, is actually quite quite good for the skin, apparently. And then I know, like, in Cleopatra, she used to have milk baths, or at least that was the rumor, that she used to, to bathe in milk. So I can understand that milk might be good for the skin. I'm not sure I would want to do it personally. But – and I've also encountered recently on – when I was looking for various different homeopathic remedies, somebody had suggested yogurt. And I was just like, are we turning people into – I don't know, serving platters maybe? Cause wouldn't yogurt get a, get a bit sticky?
4: <laughs> yeah, I think that would, Doc. And I wouldn't want to take a bath in milk either, but I will agree with you on the aloe vera. I love definitely. aloe. I have an aloe plant myself.
3: Yeah, aloe vera is definitely a good thing. And if you can have an aloe vera plant, yeah, definitely. I would so recommend it. In, um In fact something I know that yeah. Qu-
4: quick side note. I always know a dinner is gonna turn out perfectly. If I get this little mild burn while I'm cooking, it's a sure sign everything's going well, believe it or not. Every time I do like a Thanksgiving dinner or a Hanukkah dinner, I end up with some small, just a little first degree burn because I brushed my hand up against something because I was moving so fast. But when that happens, I actually take a huge sigh of relief. Now, I have to admit, I'll reach for the aloe later. I usually use uh, lidocaine in the first go-round because usually I'm still working around the heat, and the lidocaine just, it's a topical <laughs> anesthetic, and it just makes it so I can keep going
3: easier. Fair enough, I suppose. It's not quite what I would do, but it's fine. All right, something else, it's a homeopathic remedy that I know also works, because again, I've had personal experience with this one, is actually using what they call chamomile tea, tea soak bags, and you can get like loose leaf, chamomile tea and so you can actually create your own tea bags out of just a, a tea towel or some sort of dish towel that you are using and then just chamomile bit of warmish water and you, in fact cold water would work better in some respects and then you just literally just put it over the top of the sunburn and drape it, drape it right across I know that one works <laughs> yeah little side note my dad bless his heart <laughs> he is the worst for putting on sunscreen. He he just hates it. He doesn't put on sunscreen at all. And my dad normally doesn't wear shorts either. He normally only wears pants or jeans. But there was this one year, we were doing um this sort of game type thing. I can't remember exactly what it was called. But it was this obstacle course type game thing that we were doing with a group of people. And he got really bad sunburn on his legs. Everybody kept telling him, put sunscreen on, put sunscreen on. I put sunscreen on and even I managed to get burnt. And it was quite obvious what portions of my body I forgot to put the sunscreen on because those were the ones that got really, really burnt. But he got so burnt, he was getting close to third degree burns from the sunscreen, from the sunburn. They were blistering. That was that bad. And we... My mother and I, we were doing these chamomile tea bag soaks, and my mother's poor aloe vera plant was never the same because of this, because we were constantly putting aloe vera on dad. And yeah, so I have firsthand experience. They do work. They do help soothe the burns, and they help the body heal from the burns. Just don't be an idiot. When somebody says, put sunscreen on, put sunscreen on,
4: just do it. Don't, don't. One other thing, Doc. Don't use a brand new tea towel. Use an old
3: one. (laughs) Yeah, my mother's tea towels were never the same. They were, they were instantly brown and they were going to be brown for years, (laughs) for years to come. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, don't use. Yeah. That's a good, good, good point. Don't use a a new towel. Use an old one. Uh, And don't, don't use terry cloth either. Try to keep it, try to avoid using terry cloth if you can. So.
4: A friend of mine once suggested because all, all the towels I had were terry cloth, that I use an old pillowcase.
3: Yeah, that would work. That actually would work because um, that would create an instant bag and, and stuff like that. Yeah, but avoid terry cloth because it would create peeling. And if your skin's breaking or bits and pieces, it, it can leave stuff behind. And that's not good news. Definitely not good news. Okay, Jace? Yeah, Doc? We've talked about we've talked about heat stroke and we've talked about a heat exhaustion and we talked about sunburn it's time to go to the other season isn't it nope it's time for oh, a commercial let me break oh it is too
4: okay roll those ads juice you got it doc see you on the other side folks
0: you're listening to the spark radio network internet radio like you've never heard before innovation creativity and imagination are all said to begin with a spark So, fasten your seatbelt and take the ride of your life and listen for the spark.
2: You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. To battle is to fight, to struggle, to overcome, and ultimately for the Marine Corps, it means to win. There is no alternative.
1: Everyone loves liberty. Our rights come from God, not the government. So why are you letting other people tell you what's best for your healthcare? Exercise your freedom with Liberty Health Share. Liberty Health Share is a community of people who voluntarily share one another's medical costs. Liberty Health Share is founded on the idea that most people truly want to help one another. Healthcare sharing allows members to do just that as a true community that supports one another in times of need. Liberty believes people should make decisions for themselves and their families. Members are able to take back the freedom to make their own decisions about their healthcare. Freedom from guilt or doubt about how your money is used. You have the
3: Hi guys, welcome back. It's me here, Doc, and we've been talking today about hypothermia. Well, we haven't got to hypothermia yet, but we've been talking about heat exhaustion and heat heat stroke and some of the things on how to recognize it and what to do. And we've also been talking about sunburn. And that's because, well, let's face it, in New Zealand, it is hotter than, well, I don't know where you want to call it, but it's incredibly hot. And I'm not coping. I so am not coping. And there's a lot of people that are like me. We're not coping. We're all dropping down like flies. And then, of course, you've got my dear, sweet, lovely children. I love them. I adore them. Trust me. But, yeah, they get sunburned because they just don't listen to their mother telling them to put on the sunscreen when they should be putting on the sunscreen. But, yeah, so how do we deal with all of these things? But in the States and in parts of other areas in the Northern Hemisphere, there is really bad winter weather. We're going to the other extreme. So let's start talking about some of the illnesses and conditions that can happen because of winter and when it gets cold. Jess. Jess hypothermia.
4: Yeah, it sucks, doc. I've actually had some personal experience with that one.
3: Yeah, yeah, I've, yeah, you were telling me about that. Why don't you give the rundown from your personal experience? What happens to the body when you've got hypothermia?
4: All right. Well, first, I will say I was just like your kids. I was a teenager. Yep. And I was out doing a winter camping trip with a bunch of friends. Now, thankfully, these guys had lots of knowledge, skill, and training on their side. So I'd gone out on this hike by myself. Yeah, bad move. In the middle of winter, in a woods I didn't know well without a marked trail. Recipe for Uh, disaster. Shall we say,
3: stupid move?
4: (laughs) I was off having fun. I was marking my path, though. I will say that. Okay. I was marking my path so I could retrace it back. I was doing that. Now- That's at least something.
3: Okay. Carry on.
4: And I wasn't properly dressed. I've never liked gloves. So I had a pair in my pocket, but they weren't going on my hands. I've never liked scarves. Didn't have one of those. And as far as beanie cap, I think it was in the pocket with the gloves and oh no oh yeah you see where this is going and my feet got wet because look the little fast moving stream that i crossed wasn't frozen solid so i'm out running around in the woods in the middle of winter well no hat no gloves i had removed my jacket because of course running around that much i'd gotten hot or at least i thought i had so then i'm sweating so the body's trying to cool itself off I've removed a layer or two, and I'm still running around. Well, I didn't notice that I started to get cold. I just wasn't paying attention. I'd shiver a little and shake it off, and then I stopped shivering.
3: Dun, dun, dun. Bad news.
4: (laughs) I just figured I'd acclimatize. I'd adjusted. So I kept going, and I was like, cool, my body's adjusted. We're going to keep running around in the woods. Yeah, I passed out. Luckily, when no one had heard from me by the end of the time I'd been given to run around in the woods, they came out looking for me. And because I had at least marked my trail, they were able to find me. They found me unconscious, leaning up against a tree. Because I'd sat down for a few moments to rest. Now, my jacket and at least one other layer had been removed. I wasn't wearing gloves. I had wet feet and no hat. Well, they immediately bundled me back up and carried me back to camp. I woke up when I was literally... Being thrown over someone's shoulder. Yeah. That was, okay. That, that yeah. Was, All right. So, like I said, I set myself up for disaster, Doc. Yeah, yeah, you did. So,
3: at least basically. I'd mark my trail.
4: At least I'd mark my trail. <laughs> All
3: right. So, basically, what hypothermia is, is when the body is actually starting to get too cold. The average body temperature, the normal body temperature is uh, 98.6 Fahrenheit or 37 degrees Celsius. I think it's actually, you know, I think it's 34.9, sorry, 36.9, I think Celsius, but 37 is close enough. Basically what's happening with hypothermia is that your temperature, your internal body temperature drops. And so it goes to below ninety-five degrees Fahrenheit and or thirty-five degrees Celsius, depending on on where you're wanting. Uh, and for those who are interested where I'm getting all of this these numbers. I've gotten these numbers straight from Mayo Clinic. Mayo Clinic is one of the top research facilities in the world about medicine and bits and pieces. And they have a whole section on their website that talks about various different conditions and first aid treatments. They actually have a section on their website about first aid. So do check them out. And they're one of the few organizations that I actually feel confident that I don't need to cross-reference their material. Mayo Clinic's very good. Anyway, so carrying on. When your body temperature is dropping, your heart starts to slow down because what's doing is it no longer needs to pump the blood to the extremities. It's not it's trying to work to keep the body itself warm. So it's trying to keep your your main part of your body and your brain warm. Yeah. Because if that stuff shuts down, you're dead. So your limbs will go cold first. If you, I don't know if you've ever noticed that if you're feeling cold, y- your fingers and your your hands and feet are the first that tend to get cold. The rest of your body tends to stay warm, and it's because If that part of that, that heart stops because it's too cold, (laughs) that's bad news bear. That is seriously bad news bear. But because your body is shutting down, your brain function, your higher brain function starts to shut down as well. So you start to get slurred speech. You start to mumble. You start to lose consciousness. You start to become a bit clumsy in the way you do things. And you are feeling drowsy because when we are sleeping, that is when we're using the least amount of energy in your body. When you go into hypothermia, your body's going into survival mode. It is trying to limit whatever you are doing, limit the amount of energy so it can keep the energy going to just the core body features, the core functions to keep you alive. There really is only one treatment. Yep.
4: Is that why I probably tripped over a couple of tree roots on my trip over a couple things on my way to that tree so
3: I could sit down. That's exactly why you tripped over things because you were no longer functioning properly. Your body is saying time to rest. We need to rest and we need to rest now because we need to conserve our energy because we need to save and go into survival mode. It is also reason why, um, you know, If you are out in the middle of the bush, you should be carrying a whistle with you because you can't yell for help. You no longer have the strength to do it, but just a little bit of blowing on a whistle and and you should be using a low breath whistle, not a high breath one, because that little bit of breath, it might be all you have, but it's enough to alert people around you who might be looking for you. So whistles are good in the bush. You should have been carrying a whistle. Jess, not a you. Mind you, you shouldn't have been walking in the bush without without a buddy on your own in the first place.
4: Yeah, I know. I broke a bunch of rules that day.
3: Oh yeah, a lot of rules, but that's fine. Okay, so there really is only one treatment for hypothermia, and that's warm the body up that's it but you can't do it fast if you do it too fast it's agonizing it's painful and the body goes into shock because it doesn't quite know how to cope with the sudden extremities in temperature it doesn't know how to go from being too cold to being too hot it can't cope and it just you'll send the body into shock so you have to do it slowly there is a lot of uh, Those that go and suffer quite a bit from hypothermia because they'll be in in the bush or things, there's another condition that is related and that's frostbite. A lot of people probably have heard of frostbite and that's where the body is basically freezing. (laughs) Your, Your skin starts to freeze and that's not good because what happens when your body is freezing is that the crystals or the water within your body. And our body's made up of about 90% water. So there's a lot of water in our bodies and water when it freezes, it expands. So what's happening is you're getting this expansion going on. So your, your skin's going to start to swell as it's freezing. So it's going to expand and if it goes into the crystalline structure, so ice when it forms, it forms into crystals, and that can actually go through and tear up your vessels and destroy your cells. So your body—it's <laughs> bad news, bear. If you've gotten to frostbite, if you're getting to the point where you've got black tips on your skin, that's coming off. That's there's no way to other way to save it. But if you are just in the point where you've got your skin is basically just bright red. Looks like it's been burnt, basically, because effectively that's what it is. I mean, it's it's not a burn from a heat source. It's a burn from an ice source. So but it is still a burn. And if you're at that point where it's red, you can still say that that is not frostbite. That is what they know as uh, frost, uh, hang on, I had this written down so I can remind myself Frost what it was. nip, I think it is what you called nip. it. It frost nip. Yeah. Okay. It, it's known as frost nip. So if you're dealing with the red, what you do is, again, you just slowly warm it up and it will come right. And it might just really be agonizing in the meantime, but it will come right. I think the worst I've ever had to deal with that one was my son. My son cycles to and from school every day and there was a couple of times it, i think it was last year or the year before uh he'd come home from school and it'd be pouring down with rain el idiot decided not to wear his raincoat don't ask me why because he has a raincoat and he, you know children don't listen to parents we we are wise and you should listen to us so if we have experience please listen to us when we tell you to put on a raincoat put a raincoat on But he, whatever reason, chose not to. And he also chose not to wear his gloves. He has cycling gloves um, that cover the fingers. And he, for whatever reason, chose not to wear them. And he came home and he's just crying. He's in tears because he's in so much pain. He couldn't move his hands. And he actually walked most of the way home from school that day because he didn't feel confident to be able to access and use the brakes on his bike. And I just looked at him and went, oh, my gosh, we need to deal with you right now. He's a drowned rat because he wasn't wearing his raincoat. So I just took his bag off and dropped it wherever his bag went, helped him get out of his wet clothing and took him to the shower and basically said, we're putting you in the shower. And it was a cold shower. It wasn't a warm one. It was a cold one. And I just slowly warmed up the temperature as he himself slowly warmed up. And he was. That's the only way you can deal with it. If it did not get any better, just like with heat stroke or with heat exhaustion, you know, if it doesn't get any better, you've got to call medical assistance. You, there's no ifs and buts about it. But do you know thankfully, what? Thankfully, do you want
4: to know case. what they did for me because we were out in the middle of nowhere and there wasn't a shower to put me in? What did they do? Well, first they got me inside the tent and they got yep all the wet clothes off me, and then one of the I was. With my cousin and his buddies, and a couple of them laid down next to me, one on either side of me, basically sandwiching me, sharing their body Body heat with me, with a a couple of blankets, and they kept the hat on my head. And then when I had had gone back to shivering again, because I went back through the same stages, when I was alert enough and shivering, they gave me hot liquids, not super hot, but warm. And then... As I warmed up, they increased the temperature. And just the feeling of that mug in my hands that day was one of the best feelings ever. But it hurt. They had to actually put a cloth around it in the beginning just because while the steam felt good and everything, I was shaking. So they only filled the mug about half full. Yeah, And they put a a cloth around it. It was just a bandana or something like that. But they put a cloth around it to take some of the heat off my hands. But once... It took a couple hours, but once I finally got warm and we got home, I was checked out by the doctor and he's like, he's amazed I didn't actually have any frostbite.
3: <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. It's basically, you just got to warm up and you got to do it slowly. And here's the thing. Here's some of the things that you should have done that you you know you should have done it because you probably got told off for not doing them. First of all, Walking in the bush by yourself is never a good idea. Ever. Because if you trip over and twist your ankle, you suddenly can't walk properly anymore and you're on your own and what are you going to do well if you have a buddy with you they can help you they can help you make it to that next stage um in terms of walking through a creek yeah dare i say it i've actually been tramping in snow and my poor son <laughs> yeah i know i've put my children through a lot of uh, interesting things my son went with me we were tramping in the middle of snow the middle of winter it's june up in the southern alps and my son his boots were not 100% waterproof mine were my husband's were but his weren't and yeah he stepped in the wrong spot and he got cold feet unfortunately we he had to he had to keep pushing through But as soon as we got to the other end, we made sure that his feet warmed up. But one of the things that you need to do if you are doing walking, you know, you're overexerting, you're sweating, you're doing things like that. The moment you stop is the moment you put the clothing back on. Everything that you took off because you were getting too hot, you put back on. Um, When I'm tramping, even in snow, I wear shorts because I overheat. I, I don't cope with the heat very well. And I was in, you know, it's middle of. It was raining, I think, as well. No, it wasn't raining. It was just the snow coming down. And I was wearing my Gore-Tex jacket, but I had the vents open on my Gore-Tex jacket. My, my particular one has uh, these vents on the side to help me so I don't cool. But underneath, I'm just wearing a t-shirt. There's no sweater, no nothing. But the moment we stopped, I would pull out my sweater from my jacket, put it on, and then sort of take my break, take my water break, take my snack break, take whatever. And then the moment we start again, I'd take it all off and then get going. The moment we start for the day, you put the layers on. And that's one of the mistakes you made. You didn't put the layers back on.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I know, Doc and trust me. I got told off about it and I got told off about it by experts. I mean, come on, my cousin was, let's just put it this way. He knew all about cold nice. He was a member of the United States Armed Forces. Yeah, I've been around more than one mill in my <laughs> life. No surprise that this was a bunch of mill guys. That's how, how they knew exactly what to do for me.
3: Yeah. All right, So, with frostbite, like I said, the only real treatment is to heat it up slowly. If you are getting that white stuff coming, so it looks like the things are not, that the blood is not going back into those areas. That it's not going to the lovely, um, you know, that wonderful grubby pink that you might be or whatever color skin you might happen to have, beautiful olives or maybe the darker browns. If it's not the normal color that it should be, then you need to be seeking medical assistance no matter what. Even if you feel normal and feel fine, if your extremities are not getting the blood flow like they should, it is time to get in there and see somebody about this. One of the ways to check that for the normal extremities is to actually pinch your fingernails, actually. Your fingernails should actually go white if you take away the blood, the blood flow they should go white for an instance and then suddenly flush back and come back to a normal color so yeah medical assistance guys it's you know don't don't go too extreme yeah
4: don't try and quote-unquote tough it out doc
3: yeah, no, toughing it out. Dare I say It's for wusses. Yeah, don't be a wuss. Ask for help.
4: Well, Doc, I—you have to admit—I did one thing right that day. I marked my trail.
3: Yeah, you did. You marked your trail, and there is a lot of people who don't, which is really scary in New Zealand. Tell your part. Tell you the other thing that you did right that day is you told somebody that you were even going. I the told- number of people in New Zealand who don't. <sighs>
4: Yeah. Okay. I had a watch. I told them how long I was go- planning on being and I marked my trail. Yeah. So that they was knew good. that when that time had elapsed by half an hour, they gave a half hour leeway and I wasn't back, something was wrong cuz I had been told by them I have a 15 minute window or they're going to come looking. Yeah. So when 15, you know, when that window had passed by 20 30 minutes, they because I'd marked my trail they came right to me yeah and they got me yeah. warmed up as best they could <sighs> the, when I got home the doctor was impressed that they'd done the best they could and everything worked out I didn't even have any frostbite
3: so there we go so you've you've suffered from the hypothermia I've suffered from heat strokes personally <laughs> yes folks I have actually suffered from heat stroke I used to get it all the time and yeah New Ze- this is not the first summer that New Zealand's gone through heat heat waves we've had heat waves before and every single year we have a heat wave I go through heat exhaustion at least once um, and there's been a couple of times that it has turned to heat stroke it turned to heat stroke I think about A month ago, maybe two months ago. Would that be about right? Yeah, I Mm, think that's when you were
4: suffering really badly. And just for the listener's sake, if you're listening to the States, New Zealand doesn't have central air like we do in all the houses.
3: No, and I intend to change that. I definitely intend to change that because I cannot go through another summer like this. Yeah, that's the first time I've had heat stroke in a long, long time. And I did. I used to get it all the time when I was little because... Let's face it. Children don't listen to their parents. We, we think we know better and we don't do what we're told. And yeah, uh, I'm going to raise my hand because I'm just as guilty <laughs> when I was younger. We don't do what we're told. Yeah, take our lessons That's- what not to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take our lessons is what well not to do. When somebody tells you to drink water, somebody tells you to get into the shade, when somebody tells you to put on clothing, and that's in the summer and the winter, guys, as well. My children refuse to wear their rash t-shirts. That's the swimming t-shirts that we get. They have sunscreen built into them, and they're there to dis- protect your shoulders so you don't get sunburned. And my daughter, what was it, two weeks ago, we were on holiday, and my daughter thought she knew better. And chose not to wear it. And guess what? Beautiful sunburn right across her shoulders. So she was a lobster. She was definitely a lobster. And she just refused to listen to me. And it's like, well, are you going to listen to me now? Yes, Mom. Teenagers. Well, well, Doc, I think we've about wrapped this one up. I think we have, too. Okay. If anybody has tried any of those remedies for dealing with the sunburn, things like the apple cider or, you know, the milk or the yogurt, I really, honestly, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your personal experiences or anything like that contact us at the station you can contact us at science at klrnradio.com or you can go straight to our website which is klrnradio.com or you can contact me directly through twitter and that's at judy l moore or through facebook yeah it's all in the outro i know that but i'm doing it anyway (laughs) jess spoils all my fun honestly jess but if anybody has got any other information or any questions or anything like this about things like heat stroke or heat um, heat exhaustion, hypothermia, dealing with sunburns, dealing with frostbite, anything like that, I do honestly recommend going and looking at the... Um, the Mayo Clinic website, because it's an awesome, awesome website. But also ask your local medical officials. They will have all that information. And guys, if you can afford it, do a first aid course, do an outdoor first aid course, because they are so worth it. Is there anything else, Jess, that you would like to say?
4: I'd like to hear people's hypothermia and cold weather experiences. You can use the same contact information doc provided.
3: Yeah, she spoils all my fun. spoils all of it. All right, Jess, wrap it up. You got it, Doc. Well, Well, that brings us to an end of another Conversations in Science. If you have any questions about science and about some of the world around us, feel free to drop me a line. I'm on Twitter, and you can find me at Judy L. Moore, or you can look me up on Facebook, Judy L. Moore, or you can drop me a line on my personal website, JudyElmore.com. I think you're seeing the pattern here. Then, of course, if you are interested in some of the other projects I do, which is the writing and editing, feel free to check me out on blackwolfeditorial.com. But then, of course, don't forget, if you are wanting more information about the science, you can also contact us at the station with the email of science at klrnradio.com. Then, of course, there's my cohort that keeps going through and popping up.
4: Well, for anyone who wants to track me down, you can find me on Twitter at Radio Host jessie, And you can email me at the station at jessie at klrnradio.com. Bye, guys. Bye.